Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Associate Pastor Leslie Dipple, titled, Living Hope, The Practice of Resurrection, and teaches us about the significance of Christ's resurrection and our hope in His return. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Leslie. Our scripture reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in abundance. Blessed be God the Father, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that the perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance to the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that have now been announced to you through those who brought you good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? Lord God, in you we live and move and have our very being. You have given us your word to be a living and active voice in our hearts, our minds, our bodies, and souls. So, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The word on the street in these early beginnings of post-pandemic days is, what will the new normal look like? After having been isolated and separated for over a year, We won't just return to normal because we've been changed. We've been changed by the events of this past year. Even as Parks and I were watching the Masters Golf Tournament yesterday on television, I commented on the beauty of the course, so evident because it wasn't covered up with thousands of fans weaved in the grass, green grass and the bright pink azaleas. We need to learn to live and appreciate a new normal in our life and in our world together. 
In a similar way, the disciples had to learn a new normal. They had to grow in their understanding of what the resurrection of Jesus actually meant to them and to the world in which they lived. We are one week past Easter, one week past celebrating Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. So let me ask you this question this morning. How does the resurrection change the way you live your days? What is your new normal because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? The resurrection is not some static theological doctrine that we only assent to in our minds and celebrate one season a year. But it is a living reality that we live into each and every day. Jesus was raised from the dead and has ascended to the Father. This means that Jesus is alive and he is with us today through the Holy Spirit, imparting his strength and comfort, his presence and his purpose into our lives. It is our living hope. N.T. Wright puts it this way, the message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ, and you and I are now invited to belong to the new world. We are, as poet and environmentalist Wendell Berry writes, to practice resurrection, not just for ourselves, but for a broken world that desperately needs it. This phrase, practice resurrection, comes from one of Barry's poems about living a simple, intentional life connected to the land. His words point us to God's invitation to participate in the remaking of a new world, the new heaven and the new earth. He is talking about living out our faith intentionally in a way that is lived for the sake of others. We are participating in the prayer that we just prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to practice resurrection. Our scripture passage today is from the first letter of Peter. It's vital to our reading and interpretation and application of scripture to understand the context in which it is written. Who wrote it and to whom was it written? It was the disciple Peter that wrote these words. And he wrote them to those who are exiles. That is to a group of new believers that had been banished from their beloved homeland of Jerusalem. They were scattered and persecuted because of their newfound faith in Jesus. And they were people who needed to be reminded of the living hope of Jesus. People not too unlike you and me, who sometimes feel like we live in exile, in a world that feels so far from God, separated from our true identity of belonging to his family. People who need encouragement and hope when we face the struggles and the sufferings of this life. Listen to Peter's words once more. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ.
How did Peter go from his description in Acts as an uneducated and ordinary man to one who so boldly proclaimed the hope of life in Christ? Last week, we read how Peter and John ran to the tomb, how John waited outside and just kind of peered in. But it was Peter. It was Peter that was bold enough to go inside and see the cloths laying there. Peter came to understand what that empty tomb meant in his life and in the life of the world. I have always loved Peter and related to him probably more than the theologian Paul because he's just so lovable. I can see myself in all his flaws. We know that Peter was the first disciple to identify Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. It was Peter who had watched as Jesus filled his nets with fish, as Jesus healed his mother-in-law, as Jesus cast out evil spirits, and even as Jesus walked on water and then miraculously enabled Peter to do the same. Yes, Peter believed Jesus was the Messiah, but he had a hard time, as sometimes we do, understanding exactly what that meant. So Jesus taught Peter through their friendship. He taught Peter about faith when the winds and the seas were raging. He taught Peter about trust when Peter looked away from Jesus and started to sink. He taught Peter about listening when at the transfiguration, the Bible says Peter didn't know what to say, so he spoke, putting his foot in his mouth. Jesus taught Peter about patience when he fell asleep in the garden. And Jesus taught Peter what it meant to share in his sufferings for the sake of the kingdom. Peter's life was that of failing and learning and trying again. Peter is you and me at our worst and at our best. It took Peter a while to understand this new birth, this resurrection. Once he encountered the resurrection Christ, though, he was never the same. When Jesus restored him on the shores of Galilee, Peter was a changed man. As the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he was transformed from a simple ordinary fisherman into the person God had created him to be, a rock. Peter became a person who undeniably believed and boldly proclaimed the divinity of Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the gift of his church. We have a living hope into a new birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In these words, Peter wants us to think about the real life implications of the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, the resurrection assures us that our resurrected bodies and eternal life in the presence of God is will be in the future, in our life to come. It is a promise we hold to, a future in heaven. But Peter also wants us to have a resurrection view of our life here and now. He wants us to participate in a different kind of life, a life united with God each and every day. Donald Fairbairn has written, if the death of Christ shows us the almost unimaginable depths of God's presence with us, so also the resurrection and ascension of Christ 
show us the wonder of our presence with the triune God. God the Son was brought back into the fellowship of the Trinity, and through his humanity, Jesus brings you and me with him. Friends, this is real hope, hope that begins right now, hope in our life this day, hope that does not disappoint, hope that is unfading and imperishable. It is a living hope. You've heard me mention before that there are three words in the Greek for life or living in the Bible. One is bios, referring to our physical nature. One is psyche, referring to our consciousness. And the other one is Zoe life, which is talking about our life with God, our eternal union with God. This living hope is Zoe hope. It's life with God hope. It's not a hope that hangs on a prospect or a chance like, I hope Wills Latouris will win the Masters. <laughs> no, it's a living reality that is with us now. As one has described the difference between just plain living and Zoe living in union with the creator of the world, it's like the difference between seeing all the notes on a page but hearing no music. If we simply see our lives on this earth as configured DNA of body and mind, we experience no meaning and no purpose to our days on earth. We were created, you and I were created for Zoe life, to be in union with our triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the here and now. And when we are, Living life becomes something much bigger than ourselves, far richer than we had ever planned, a symphony beyond our imagination. Living into the resurrection reality also means that what we do now in this life for the kingdom of God really matters. It means that our bodily life matters. N.T. Wright again, every act of love Every deed done in Christ and by the Spirit, every work of true creativity, doing justice, making peace, healing families, resisting temptation, seeking and winning true freedom, is an earthly event in a long history of things that implement Jesus' own resurrection and anticipate the final new creation. They act as signposts of hope, along the way. We all need this living hope because you all know as well as I do that this life can be really, really hard. It's never if things get hard, it's when things get hard. Why is it so hard to face suffering and disease? Why does it hurt so bad when we lose someone we love? How is it that loneliness tries to rob us of our joy and hope? Perhaps it's because we live as though this broken world is all that there is. But Jesus reminds us that there is a much bigger reality out there. And how do we get through these challenges and trials? Peter says, in this hope you rejoice, even if for now a little while you've had to suffer various trials. Peter understood that as Jesus followers, our lives will take on the direction of Jesus' life. As we share life with him, 
we are shaped with him. And this means we share in the sufferings of Christ. Peter knew all too well how hard this life can be. We know from the early church historian Eusebius, who cited Clement, that Peter went through great suffering for his faith. Before Peter was killed, he was forced to watch the crucifixion of his own wife. And as he watched her being led to her death, Clement says, Peter called her by her name and said, remember the Lord. And when it was Peter's turn to die, he pleaded to be crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to die as his Lord had died. Peter understood grief and hardship is part of the resurrection life. One must die to self to be raised to new life. It's part of our road and this world's road to healing and to wholeness. When we abide in this place of living hope, we can rejoice even in our suffering, knowing full well that the genuineness of our faith can cause these struggles to result in praise and glory and honor to God. Jesus too understands the sorrows and loss that we face in this life, just like Peter. When Jesus was preparing his disciples, when he was preparing Peter for the sorrow that he would experience when Jesus would leave this earth, this is what Jesus said. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is in labor, she is in anguish because her hour has arrived. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the pain because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. So you also are now in anguish, but I will see you again, Jesus says, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. Any of us who have had a child knows that to birth a baby is one of the most joyous occasions of a woman's life, but it is also perhaps the most painful. Once the baby is born, the pain fades in comparison to the new life we have been given. It's the same with our life here on earth as we go through the struggles and as we attempt to participate in new life and practice resurrection. The, the struggles and the sorrows of this life become dim. Jesus wanted his disciples and he wants you and me to keep focused on him. He said, I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. Our faith in that glorious future can transform the very sufferings of this life. This is the living hope that we both live in this world and look forward to in the world to come. God never deceives us with false hope and Jesus asks us never to lose this hope because God is making all things new. And one day, one day all will be well. The Gospel of John that Owen read last week talks about Peter's entrance into that empty tomb and how Peter noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying to the side. Scripture takes an entire verse to tell us that the napkin was neatly folded 
and was placed separate from the grave clothes. Is that important? Is that significant? Some say yes, because there is a Hebrew tradition of that day that says a folded napkin had to do with the master and the servant. And every Jewish boy knew this tradition. When the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. The table was finished perfectly, and then the servant would wait just out of sight until the master had finished eating. And the servant would not dare touch the table until the master was finished. Now, if the master were done eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his hands, his mouth, clean his beard, and would wad up that napkin and toss it on the table. The servant would then know to clear the table, for in those days, the wadded napkin meant, I'm done, I'm finished. But if the master got up from the table and folded his napkin and laid it beside his plate, the servant would not dare touch the table because the folded napkin meant, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Friends, Jesus Christ is coming back, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and God will wipe away every tear from every eye, and death shall be no more. Peter anchored himself in this cosmic reality, in this living hope, and he encourages you and me to do so as well. God is about his business of remaking our broken and troubled lives into a part of his cosmic story of redemption and new life. He is making beauty from ashes and transforming you and me and transforming our stories in this world that he loves so very much from one degree of glory to the next. This life is the one that we are invited into as we practice resurrection, as we participate in welcoming remade lives, recreated trajectories, taking the brokenness of our days and finding God's new normal, lives of courage and lives of riding, rising out of our places of darkness and death. Peter writes this mysterious and magnificent salvation life what the prophets searched for and wrote about is something into which angels long to look. And the phrase there actually means someone leaning over a balcony, over the balcony of heaven, trying to see what's going on here in our lives, in human history. Friends, salvation is going on the epic drama that spans human history, culminating in personal encounters with God in your life and in my life and in each and every generation. Do you not want to be a part of that? Do you not want others to be a part of that? This redemptive story of God gives to each of us something that no one and no circumstance can ever take away from us a living hope. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Leslie. 
If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.